Hi, I'm Dina Genkina for IEEE Spectrum's Fixing the Future. This episode is brought to you by IEEE Explore, the digital library with over 6 million pieces of the world's best technical content. In the November issue of IEEE Spectrum, one of our most popular stories was about code that writes its own code. Here to probe a little deeper is the author of that article, Craig Smith. Craig is a former New York Times correspondent and host of his own podcast, Eye on AI. Welcome to the podcast, Craig. Hi. Thank you for joining us. So you've been doing a lot of reporting on uh, the, these new artificial intelligence models that can write their own code to whatever capacity that they can do that. Uh, so maybe we can start by highlighting a couple of your favorite examples and you can explain a little bit about how they work. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, first of all, the reason I find this so interesting is that I don't code myself. And I've been talking to people uh, for for a couple of years now about when uh, artificial intelligence systems will get to the point that I can talk to them and they'll write a computer program based on what I'm asking them to do. Uh, and it's an idea that's been around for a long time. And one thing is a lot of people think this exists already because they're used to talking to Siri or Alexa or Google Assistant or some other virtual assistant, assistant and uh, it's you're, you're not actually writing code when you talk to uh, Siri or Alexa or Google Assistant. Uh, that changed when they built uh, GPT-3, the successor to GPT-2, uh, which was a much larger language model uh, and these uh, large language model uh, are models are trained on huge corpuses of data and 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 based uh, primarily on something called a transformer algorithm they were really focused on uh, text on human uh, natural language but uh, kind of a side effect was that there's a lot of HTML code out in the on the internet, and GPT-3, it turns out, learned how uh, HTML code, just as it learned English uh, natural language. The first application of these large language models' ability to uh, write code has been uh, first by uh, GitHub uh, and uh, together with OpenAI and Microsoft, they created a, a, a product called Copilot uh, and it's a, a, a pair programmer. I mean, it's, you know, oftentimes when uh, programmers are writing code, they have someone, they work in teams, in pairs, and one person writes kind of the, the initial code and the other person cleans it up or, or checks it and tests it. Uh, and if you don't have uh, uh, 
a, a, someone to work with, then you have to do that yourself and it takes twice as long. So they have, uh, GitHub created this thing uh, based on GPT-3 called Copilot. Uh, and it acts as that second set of hands. Uh, and so when you begin to write a line of code, it'll auto-complete that line just as uh, it happens with Microsoft Word now or, or any word processing program. And then the coder can either accept or uh, modify or delete that that uh, suggestion. GitHub recently did a survey and found that uh, coders can code twice as fast using Copilot uh, to to help uh, autocomplete their their code. Um, is than than if they were working on their own. Yeah, so maybe we could put a bit of a framework to this. So I guess programming in its most basic form, like back in the old days, used to be with these punch cards, right? And everything, when you get down to what you're telling the computer to do, it's all ones and zeros. So the base way to talk to a computer is with ones and zeros, but then people developed more complicated tools so that programmers don't have to sit around and type ones and zeros all day long. And that's uh, programming languages and their simpler programming languages and slightly more sophisticated, higher level programming languages, so to speak. Um, and they're kind of closer to words, although definitely not natural language, but they will use some words but they still have to follow this somewhat rigid logical structure. So I guess uh, one way to think about it is that these tools are kind of moving on to the next level of abstraction above that or trying to do so. That's right. And and that started really uh, in the 40s or, or I guess in the 50s uh, at a company called Remington Ram, Rand, Remington Rand. Uh, a woman named Grace Hopper uh, introduced a programming language that used English language vocabulary uh, so that instead of having to write in symbols, uh, mathematic symbols, uh, the programmers could write, uh, you know, uh, import for example uh, to to ingest some some other piece of code uh, and that has started this this uh, this ladder of of increasingly efficient languages uh, to where we are today with with things like Python I mean they're they're primarily there is uh, uh, English language words and uh, different kinds of uh, punctuation. But there's there isn't a lot of mathematical notation in them, and uh, so the, the what's happened with these large language models. What happened with HTML uh, code and is now happening with other. Uh, programming languages is that uh, 
uh, you were able to uh, speak to them instead of as with Code Whisper or or Copilot, where you write in computer uh, code or programming language, and the uh, system auto completes your your uh, what you started writing. Uh, you can write in natural language and the computer will interpret that and write the code associated with it. And that uh, opens up, uh, you know, this vista of what I'm dreaming of, of being able to talk to a computer and have it write a program. Uh, there's the the problem with that is that as I was saying, uh, natural language is so imprecise uh, that you either need to learn to speak or write in in a very constrained um, way for the computer to understand you. Even then, there'll be uh, ambiguities. So there's a, a group at uh, uh, Microsoft that has come up with this a system called T-Coder. It's, it's, it's just a uh, research paper now. It hasn't been productized. Uh, but it, um, it, the computer, you, you, you tell it that you want it to do something in, in very uh, spare, and precise language, and the computer will uh, will will see that there are several ways to code that phrase, and so they the computer will come back and ask for clarification of what you mean, and that interaction, that back and forth, then refines the meaning that or the intent of the of the person who's uh, talking or writing instructions to the computer to the point that uh, it's adequately precise and then the computer generates the code so i think eventually uh people will study uh, you know there there will be very high level data scientists that study uh, that learn uh, coding languages, but it opens up software development to a large uh, swath of people who will no longer need to know a programming language. They'll just need uh, to understand how to interact with these systems. And that will require them to understand, as you were saying at the outset, the logic, uh, logical flow of a program and uh, the syntax of, uh, of programs, of programming languages, and, uh, and be aware of the ambiguities in natural language. And some of that's already finding its way into products. I, I uh, There's a company called Accio that has a, a no-code platform. It's primarily a drag-and-drop uh, interface uh, where, where you, it, and it works on tabular data primarily, but you drag in 
uh, a spreadsheet and drop it into their interface and then you click a bunch of buttons and what you want uh, to to train the program on what you want the program to uh, predict these are predictive models uh, and then you hit a button and it trains the program and then you feed it your uh, your um, untested data and it will make the predictions on that data it's used uh, for a lot of fascinating things um, right now uh, it's being used in the political sphere to um, to predict who in you know a list of 20,000 contacts will donate to a particular political party or campaign so it's it's really changing political fundraising uh, and Akio has just come out with with a new feature which I think you'll start seeing in a lot of places uh, one of the issues in in uh, working with data is is uh, cleaning it up you know getting it uh, getting rid of outliers, rationalizing the 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 the, uh, the language. You may have a column where some things are written out in words, other things are numbers. You need to get them all into numbers, things like that. That kind of uh, cleanup is extremely uh, time consuming and tedious. And Akio has a large, well, they've actually tapped into a large language model. So they're using a large language model. It's not their model. But you just uh, write in natural language in, into uh, the interface what you want done. You know, you want to combine three columns that give uh, the date, the time, uh, and the uh, month and year. I mean, the day of the week, the month of the year, a month and the year. You want to combine that into a single number so that the computer can deal with it more easily. You can just tell the uh, the interface by writing in simple English what you want and you can be fairly imprecise in your English and the uh, the large language model will will understand what you mean so it's an example of how this uh, this new ability uh, is is being uh, implemented in products I think it's it's pretty amazing and I think you'll see that spread very quickly. I mean, this is all a long way from my talking to a computer and having it write, you know, create uh, uh, a complicated program for me. These are still very basic. Yeah, so you mentioned in your article that this isn't this isn't actually about to put coders out of a job, right? So is it just because you think it's not it's not there yet, the technology is not at that level, or is that fundamentally not what's happening in your view? Well, it, the technology certainly isn't there yet. It's going to be a l- very long time before 
well, I, I don't know that it's going to be a long time because things have moved so quickly, but it'll be a while yet before you be able to speak to a computer and have it write complex programs. Uh, but what will happen uh, and will happen, I think, fairly quickly is uh, with things like AlphaCode in the background, things like TCoder that, that uh, interacts with the user, that people won't need to learn to uh, comp uh, computer programming languages any longer in order to code. They will need to understand the structure of a program, the logic and syntax, and and uh, and they, they'll they'll have to be understand the the, the uh, nuances and ambiguities in natural language. Uh, I mean, if you turned it over to someone who who wasn't aware of any of those things, it would, I I think it would it would not be very effective. But I I can see that, you know, computer science students will will learn C plus plus and Python because that's, you know, you 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 learn the basics in any field that you're going into, but the actual application will. Uh, be through natural language working with one of these interactive systems. And what that allows uh, is just a much broader uh, population to get involved in programming and developing software. And we really need that because there is a real shortage of uh, capable computer programmers and uh, coders out there. Uh, you know, the world is going through this digital transformation. Every process is being turned into software. And um, and there just aren't enough people to do that. That's what's holding uh, that transformation back. So the, as, as you broaden the population of people who can do that, more software will be developed in a shorter period of time. I, I think it's very exciting. So maybe we can get into a little bit of the copyright issues surrounding this, because, for example, GitHub Copilot um, sometimes spits out bits of code that are found in the, the training data that it was trained on. So there's a, a pool of training data from the internet, like you mentioned in the beginning, and the output of this program, the autocomplete, it suggests is some combination of all the inputs, uh, maybe put together in a creative way, but sometimes just straight um, copies of bits of code from the input. And some of these input bits of code um, have copyright licenses. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's interesting. Uh, I remember when sampling started in uh, the music industry and I thought it would be impossible to tr track down every the author of every bit of music that was sampled and work out some kind of a, a licensing deal 
that would compensate the original artist. But that's happened. Um, and, and, you know, people are, are very quick to uh, spot samples that use their original music uh, if they haven't been compensated. Uh, in in this realm, uh, to me, it's a little different, and I, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what happens because you know the 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 human mind uh, ingests data and uh, and then produces theoretically original thought, uh, but that thought is really just a, a, a jumble of everything that you've ingested. And I, I, I had this uh, conversation recently uh, about whether uh, the human mind is really just a, a, a large language model that has trained on all of the information uh, that it's been exposed to. Uh, and it, it's, it seems to me that, uh, that on the one hand, it's impossible to trace every input uh, for any particular output as these systems get larger. And Two, uh, I, I, I just think it's un, unreasonable to expect every piece of um, human uh, creative output to be copyrighted and 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 tracked through all of the various iterations that it goes through. I mean, uh, you know, you look at uh, the history of art, every artist in the visual arts is drawing on his predecessors and using ideas and, and uh, things to, to create something new. And I, I just... Uh, I, I, I haven't looked in any particular cases where it's glaring that the uh, that the code or the language is clearly identifiable as coming from one source, um, but I I, I I I don't know how to put it. I I, I think the world is getting so complex that uh, creative output, once it's out there, un unless something like sampling for music where it's clearly identifiable, uh, that it's gonna be impossible to credit and compensate everyone whose output became an input to that uh, computer program. My next question was about who who should get paid <laughs> for code produced by these big AIs, um, but I guess you you kind of suggested a model where where all the training data get like a little bit of royal everyone responsible for the training data would get a little bit of royalties for every use 
Um, I guess long term, that's probably not super viable because a few generations from now, there's going to be no one that contributed to the training data. Yeah, that, but that uh, is interesting. Uh, who, who owns these models that are written by computer? It's something I really haven't thought about. Um, and I don't know if you'll cut this out, but have you read anything uh, about that topic, about who will own, if AlphaCode becomes a product, uh, DeepMind's AlphaCode, and it writes a program that, that becomes extremely useful and is used around the world and generates uh, potentially a lot of revenue, who owns that model? I don't know. So what is your expectation for what do you think will happen in this arena in the coming five to ten years or so? Well, in terms of auto-generated code, I, I think uh, it's going to progress very quickly. I mean, Transformers came out in 2017, I think. And two years later, you have AlphaCode running complete programs from natural language. And now you have T-Coder in the same year. Uh, with this system that refines the natural language intent, uh, I think in five years, yeah, we'll we'll be able to write uh, basic uh, software programs from speech. Uh, it'll take much longer to write, you know, something like GPT three. You know, that's uh, that's a very very uh, complicated program but the more that these algorithms are are commoditized uh, the more I, I think combining them or or uh, uh, will will be easier so in 10 years uh, yeah I, I think it's possible that you'll be able to talk to a pro a computer and and um, Again, not an untrained person, but a person that understands how programming works uh, and program a fairly complex uh, program, and and that that will, you know, it, it's it's kind of uh, builds on itself. It's uh, this cycle because the more uh, people that can participate in development um, that on the one hand creates more software but it also frees up uh, sort of the high level data scientists to develop novel algorithms and new systems and so I, I see it as, as uh, accelerating uh, and it, you know, it's, it's an exciting time. Today on Fixing the Future, we spoke to Craig Smith about AI-generated code. I'm Dina Genkinner for IEEE Spectrum, and I hope you'll join us next time on Fixing the Future. <laughs>